Welcome to the Moot Podcast. This recording was made at the Moot Spiritual Retreat in May 2010, exploring the theme of how the Trinity informs our understanding of God and for a distinctly Christian understanding of the spiritual community. This is the first of three recordings led by Mark Berry, missioner and leader of the Safe Space Community in Telford in England. What I'm going to do to, over this weekend is exploring some thoughts that we've had as a community over the last couple of years, thinking about how who God is shapes who we are as a community and how that also then shapes our perception of God, our deeper understanding of God, and then also thinking about what that does to shape how we react and how we act in the world around us. So it's kind of this, we'll, we'll use the Matisse, the Matisse painting's not going to come up today, but it'll come up tomorrow, but this idea of, of a dance really, not in the sense of a dance of the Trinity, but actually this whole interplay with who God is, who we are, how we belong and behave and in, engage with the world, and then how that reveals more of God to us in this constant kind of um, movement of our understanding of, of each other and of who God is. In our context. So this has really come out of a few years of um, exploring what it means to be community and a community that um, is always seeking. And we say, you know, we're seeking to um, to to uh, to know God in a deeper way. We're seeking to know each other in a deeper way, and we're seeking to know the world that we live in in a deeper way. So there's always this sort of threefold pursuit for us about what it means to be community and really exploring what there is in God. Um, so that's kind of, that's really what we're going to sort of hopefully explore and um, throughout the day. That, that's a really freaky picture, but I kind of liked it. <laughs> um, I li- um, because it, it, that picture to me is, is just so full of, conundrums and confusions about of understanding that it's kind of like well where do you start with that um obviously you've got the four symbols of the evangelist but forgetting them here we've got the trinity in the middle but this is the classic um pictogram i guess of an understanding of the trinity which starts with this confusion because what it says is obviously you've got god in the middle and you've got father son holy spirit and in the connecting lines you've got father is not Son is not spirit, is not father. Father is God, son is God, spirit is God. Um, so even at the beginning, it's kind of like, it's very hard to grasp. Five years ago, I moved to Telford. Um, my wife and I moved to Telford to work with the Diocese of Litchfield and with CMS, Church Mission Society, to really to explore what community, what a, a Christian community might look like in a post-Christian culture. Um, and Telford is a very post-Christian culture. In many ways, Telford is one of those places that seems to be ahead of the culture, ahead of the wider culture, which is a bit weird, really. It's a new town, about 180,000 people, post-industrial town. Um, You may be familiar with its history with Ironbridge and the Industrial Revolution, um, but its history goes back way before then, and I'll talk a bit about that a little bit later. Um, but we, it's got this, it had at the time that we moved there the second lowest church attendance in the UK. Less than one and a half percent of the population went to church. Hence, when we, when I was given the job and the press release came out from CMS about me getting the job, it got picked up in all the national media, and the Guardian ran an article 
which read Missionary to Godless Telford. <laughs> um, okay. But if you know anything about The Guardian, and I'm sure some of you do know The Guardian's reputation, when they put the article on the website, the headline actually read Missionary to Goldless Telford. <laughs> so it's, I'm still trying to work out which is the most accurate. But, um, but it was this question of, if, if we're going to think about... Um, Christian community and explore what might a Christian community look like in a culture that's changing when the traditions, when the buildings, when the institutions and when the culture is, is no longer the same, when, when church doesn't play a part in people's lives in the same way. The question was, what might it look like? Um, the second question that we were given to explore was, what might it look like if not only it was embedded in a post-church culture, but also it had as its core value wanting to engage with that culture. So it had mission as its core value. So we, we were given these two sort of questions to begin to, to wrestle with and to build community around what is church going to look, what is a Christian community going to look like in a post, or what might it look like in a post-church culture, and what might it look like if its heart and its passion was about engaging with that culture, not escaping from it or creating a holy huddle or whatever that might be. Um, so that, that was really where we started um, with this big question and thinking, you know, and my wife and I moved and we were given a house and basically told, get on with it. Um, and that was our context. So we started to dream and think about what it might look like. We started to, you know, to connect with people and to, to talk about what community might be like. And obviously, when you start talking about Christian community, the first kind of passage that comes up in people's minds is the passage in Acts 2. You know the one I'll read it out to you. Acts 2.42. Well, there's loads of them in Acts, but Acts 2.42 to 47. There's quite a few Bible passages through this. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were common together and had everything in common, um, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I guess our first question, when we started exploring um, what it might be to be community, was why on earth does that not work? Why on earth is that not real? <laughs> you know. And, and anyway, when you think about it, you only have to go a few couple more chapters in Acts to come across the first time when actually... <laughs> That story doesn't hold true, you know, when the, the Ananias and Sapphira, that actually it's, it's not, community is not easy. Community is not something you can just simply say, right, this is what we're going to do, and it, and it all works. If it was, we'd all be doing it. Um, but actually it's really hard, and it needs a lot of reflection, and it needs a lot of wrestling, and it needs a lot of struggle, but it's got to be done in a way which actually is fruitful somehow. So... I think one of the things that we began to, to say early on as we began to explore what is community was that we realised that being community wasn't a matter of doing it perfectly. It was about managing to do it in an imperfect way that was creative and that was dynamic. So it wasn't about avoiding the struggles. It was about valuing the struggles and seeing how they enriched us and how we learnt about each other and we learnt about the context. So facing the struggles head on 
and wrestling with them was actually one of the first things that we just began to explore. It's like, okay, we can't do um, Acts 2, 44 to 47, or any of those, because anyway, we're going to get in an Ananias or Sapphira sooner or later. So let's actually be honest about our struggles. And I guess that's what started us exploring the idea of, of or really digging into, into the sort of sense of Trinity. Um, because if we start to look, but we start to say, well, is, you know, what is God's way then? What, if we're going to struggle with this, is, is there a way that we can actually understand it in a deeper way, in a real way? So our wrestling with the idea of the Trinity, um, and this is what hopefully we'll do over the next few days and you'll do, is, is not based out of some academic theological need. It's out of a real grassroots gutsy need to try to be community and to say, OK, God, how are we going to be community? Can you help us be community? What might it look like? What do we need to know? Um, and I think pretty early on in our, in our journey, we had this sense that actually we'd lost something about what it meant to be community. We'd lost something somehow in how we understood church, how we understood Christian community, that we'd lost some of this, something really rich, and we weren't quite sure at that point, and I'm some sense we're not, still not quite sure exactly what that looks like, but there was something missing from how we understood who we were. Um, and I'm sure you're sort of familiar with concepts of Imagio Dei and being made in the image of God and, and what that meant. So we just began to wrestle with how, does our communi- how is our community made in the image of God? Is there something in the image of God which can teach us how to be community in a better way? And it started off really as simple as that. Before we started really deeping, digging deeper into the idea of participation, which we'll come on to later, but just this simple sense of, well, what is God's way to be community? Um, you know, we look at Acts 2 and we look at all that and go, yeah, yeah, but we can't do that. We don't live in the world where we maybe can, you know, we don't want to be a hippie commune. But how do we, how are we going to wrestle with being community? So this sense that actually, as if we're going to look to what it means to be community, the starting place to explore is the community that is God. And that sounds a very simple statement, but, you know, we began to think, well, actually, you know, what does that look like then? Um, and one of the things that I noticed when we started talking about was that from what we could tell, and here's where it gets a little bit technical for a few moments, this idea of actually, when we began to look at, at, at how church lived, how Christian communities lived, we began to sort of see well, this sort of parallel between how people talked about God as Trinity and how they lived as community. And just really as a kind of introduction to, to thinking about this, we, we looked around and we looked, spoke to a lot of people and we were just chatting. And what we began to see was that actually, if you ask people who the Trinity was, how the Trinity worked, you generally got one of these three explanations. You got modalism. We've got one God who did three different jobs. So there were three modes of, of who God was. So we had, we've got God, but then at one point God was the creator, and then another point God was the redeemer, and then God's spirit came, and we've now got God the comforter or the Holy Spirit. So you had this sense, although if you began to pick away at what people believed, they would struggle with the language, but this sense that there was one God who did three jobs, you know, and that's, that's, that's how God works. So that sense of a, of a modal understanding of God. Then we came across this sort of almost this tritheism, this, this sort of three gods. 
three independent gods, and never the twain, or never the train, whatever the phrase would be. Um, you know, the, the sense that you've got three gods, and it's similar to the modalism sense that they do three different jobs, but they are three independent gods. So you had God the creator who did the creating, and then God the creator is kind of up there watching now. Um, and then you've got God the redeemer, this, you know, God the Son, who came down and did the incarnation thing, died on the cross, rose again and went up and is also now sat by God's right hand watching the whole thing from above. Um, you know, like two kids with a train set, you know, watching it and they've, they've shut it all going and now they're sitting there watching it go round and round in circles, you know. Um, and then God the Spirit, who's really the only active part of God now. Um, so this sort of almost tritheism. The other thing that we saw, and actually I think this is probably the most common way that people understand the Trinity, Christians understand the Trinity, is subordinationalism, which is that it, God is a hierarchy. So we have God the Father, and then God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. So this, you know, and the Son is subordinate to the Father, and the Spirit is subordinate to the Son who's subordinate to the Father. And these were the three main images that we seem to get when we started talking to people about community and trinity. This, this is what we got. Now, if we talk to people with any depth, which I try, try to do over the time, most people didn't have a clue. It wasn't really something that people explored. We, we kind of had this idea, and maybe it was a kind of in a received wisdom, an inherited tradition, an idea of what the trinity was, but there wasn't a great real wrestling, this sense of really wanting to know who God the Trinity was. But what we also began to notice was that most people's idea of how church went, ran seemed to bear an uncanny resemblance to their understanding of the Trinity. So a more subordinationalist, which is perhaps a more Anglican, more traditional, sort of would see the church as a hierarchy um, and would see the, the, the three dimensions of ministry bishop, priest, and deacon as a hierarchical thing. And even now, if you look at the Church of England's ordination process, you become a deacon, and then when you've proved yourself as a deacon, you can then be elevated to a, a, a priest, and then you can be elevated to a bishop if you've proved yourself and you're good enough and you've got the right political language to use. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but then, but then also, you know, we can see particularly within um, the new churches, a degree of, of, of pluralism. Mm. Or one might, might want to use the word compartmentalism. You know, and how we split church up into, right, we have a mission committee that does all the mission things. We have a worship group that does the worship group. We have an administrative group that does all of that, a fabric group, you know. And so things get very split up. And everybody, these groups do what they do, and maybe they report back into the centre at some point. But church is run by committee and by departments. And to some extent, that's similar with, with um, you know, modalism, this whole compartmentalised understanding of what it means to be community, what it means to be church. Um, and again, within particularly the, uh, I guess, the more evangelical, charismatic, but certainly the conservative evangelical kind of way, this whole task-orientated, well, we have certain jobs that we have to do, um, understanding of what it means to be church. Um, it just became uncanny. The more that we talked to people, the more we, we seemed to find this correlation between how they understood the Trinity and how they did church. And it was, it was strange. And that started to, to really to 
send us on a, on a journey. We, and in, in a sense, we found it was an, an invitation to explore who the Trinity was. Because if, if that was true, which it seemed to be, then the question came, comes about, well, if we want to really wrestle with what it means to be community, we can't avoid wrestling with what the Trinity is, with who God is. And what that means. And that began for us a journey of, and we're all simple folk, and I mean that in, a, in the, the, the nice sense. I mean, we're, you know, we're not academics, we're not theologians. Um, you know, we're a mixture of people, you know, dustbin men and, um, you know, IT people and students and, um, you know, teachers and technicians. We're, we're not a bunch of people who are highly academic and theological. But we had this real sense that we were being given a chance, an invitation to explore a real understanding of community by exploring a deep understanding of who God, the Trinity, is. Um, and then it goes on, and it, and it gets deeper. Um, and there's a sense, something that we'll, we'll go on to you know, further as we go through. So, on the light switch there, John 17, um, 21 to 23. My prayer, this is actually going back to 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That, to me, that's a deeply mystical kind of passage and it's there's a there's a guy called rd lang who wrote a series of poems called knots and this to me sounds just like one of his little poems because you can wrap yourselves in circles with this little passage um i'll read it again just from 20 uh um 21 that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and i am in you May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And, and in that riddle, you get this incredible interplay with this relationship between God and the Son and believers and the world. That whole sense that, that we are, you know, that, that just as the Son is one with the Father and yet the Father sends the Son, then we are one with the Son and therefore one with the Father. But then as the Son was sent, so we are sent, which we'll come on to as we go through. But that whole interplay between the unity as a community and the unity that is in who God is, which then becomes the dynamic which actually points to God. Um, and to me, that's, and we can begin to see something of this, um, uh, which is a word we're going to come on to in a little while, perichoresis, um, which I'll explain later on, of, of this mutuality of God and this mutual pointing. And I sometimes get this image in my head of this, you know, everybody pointing to each other. And it's, you know, that's the, you know, not the blame, but look at him, look at her, look at... You know, and in that, we, in that little passage, we get this real sense of Jesus pointing to the Father and saying, you know, you, I was sent to bring for your glory. But then they are one and they are sent so that, you know, and you get this whole kind of mesh of, of what it means to be. 
But what you can't separate from that, and this is what we're going to kind of explore a little bit, hopefully, is you can't separate God from humanity in that passage. Um, because that's the whole point, that we are drawn into being one with God as we are one with each other, as God is one with God. Um, and that, to me, is some of the mystery. Now, now, what seems to be going on, complexity. There's a deep complexity to who God is. And just as, as I started by saying, you know, there seems to be this deep complexity to what it means to be community, that it ain't easy, and that actually some of that struggle, we've just got to live and actually make that struggle into a positive thing. There's a real complexity about who God is. And I think as we start exploring what community is and who God is, the first thing we've got to admit is we haven't got much of a clue. When we started in Telford and even now five years on, I could not write a book on how to be community because I haven't really got a clue. I've got a few ideas and we've got some relationships and we have to live in that imminent kind of space. And from that, we can begin to, to explore. But it's the same with God, that actually, you know, God is incredibly complex and we're not going to, in the space of a weekend or in the space of a lifetime, <laughs> pin God down because there's this great mystery. And, and we sometimes wonder... You know, there's a lot of conversation about Trinity going on at the moment. Um, and I'm not sure whether what we are doing is discovering a radical new God, radical to the world that we live in now, or whether we are actually rediscovering the old God, or maybe a bit of both. You know, maybe there's a sense that, that how God is revealed in time is, is fluid. And so maybe what's going on at the moment is a radical new God who is revealing himself in new ways for us at the moment, but then there's something about rediscovering the old God and something about the way that God revealed himself into communities in the past as they struggled to be community. So there's a real challenge in that, the challenging God to the world we live in, the challenging of God to who we are, but also this rediscovering of, of who God is. Because I, I think as well as it shaping our ecclesiology, as well as the Trinity shaping how we do church, actually... Our understanding of the Trinity shapes our spirituality. It shapes the way we relate to God. You know, do we relate to God as, um, you know, in a distance? What was that old song? You know, God is watching us from a distance. Do we relate to God as uh, an authority figure? Do we relate to God um, as, you know, a governmental figure? Do we relate to God as, uh, you know, a papa, a, a daddy? Um, how do we relate to God? My sense, and that what we're going to explore later on, is that actually the only way we can begin to relate to God is in the context of community. And the only way that we can really understand our place in that is in the context of community. Um, some of you may have come across uh, my son. I've, put this, I've got a six-year-old son, and this book was out on the side the other day in our house, and my six-year-old son went and pointed out and said, Ah, that's Desmond Tutu. And I was like, Whoa, how did you know that? And he'd seen him on television a few months ago, and the image had stuck. That smiling face had stuck. Um, but one of the things that is coming out of the work of Desmond Tutu that I think is a great wisdom for us as we begin to explore is the idea of Ubuntu theology. I don't know if you're familiar with Ubuntu theology. Ubuntu theology is, is, is something that Desmond Tutu is drawing together from um, some African philosophies, 
Um, Ubuntu is the plural of the word Bantu. It's a, and I can't do this. And I don't. Know if, sorry if everybody, anybody lives in Africa. But it's actually an idea that's, that that is found all over Africa, and it is a remnant. It's part of the tribal system. But Desmond Tutu took this idea and started to articulate it in the context of God and saying, well, is, is there something about God in this idea? Then from Tutu, 92. A self-sufficient human being is subhuman. I have gifts that you do not have, so consequently I am unique. You have gifts that I do not have, so you are unique. God has made us so that we will need each other. We are made for a delicate network of interdependence. We see it on a macro level. Not even the most powerful nations in the world can be self-sufficient. Or in other words, he says, uh, a later stage, he says, a person is a human precisely in being enveloped in the community of other human beings and being caught up in the bundle of life. To be is to participate. The summum bonum here is not independence, but sharing is interdependent. So there's this sense um, that we'll talk about again as we go on in the Ubuntu idea is that actually... It's, this isn't communalism, nor is it independence. This is the sense that actually true identity is only found in the context of community. So it's not the sense of, well, I am who I am regardless, and nor is it the kind of Maya Barber idea that we're just a drop in the ocean and we only find, you know, that, that we have no ego, ego. Sorry, This is actually somewhere that's kind of in the middle, which says... We are, independent. we are individuals, but we can only truly understand ourselves as individuals in the context of community. And the, I, he's begun to draw lines between this idea and actually an understanding of God, which says, well, yes, God is three individuals. However, they can only be understood as individuals in the context of the whole of God, in the whole of community. So this... It's very difficult to be able to pull bits out and say, well, we can understand this as God and we can understand that as God without at least attempting to grapple with the whole of who God is. And likewise for, for us too. So this sense of imagio trinitatis. So it's not just imagio Dei, but imagio trinitatis. That we as human beings, when we say we're made in the image of God, are actually made in the image of the Trinity. So there is a huge complexity about who we are. And we can't ever really understand that. We can't ever grapple with that as community. You know, there's a, one of my favourite little um, passages in, in a book is from Mr God, This Is Anna, and I wanted to quote it, but somebody's pinched my copy. It's probably because I lend it out too much. But there's a wonderful passage where she comes... Do you know the book, Mr God, This Is Anna? Yeah. Every, some people know. The guy written by... Well, it's, it's written by a guy called Finn, and the story is that Finn, I think it's Edwardian times, isn't it, encounters, meets this little girl, a six-year-old girl, on the street. She's an orphan, and he takes her in, and she lives with him for a year, and then at the end of the year, unfortunately, she has an accident, she dies. But during this year, she reveals the most incredible theology to this guy through conversations. He does daft little things, like uses a tin bath and pipes and water to try and understand how God's love is constantly overflowing and how you can have perpetual overflowing. You know, she makes these things. But this was one conversation when she comes back from Sunday school, and she says, Finn, she says, I'm not going to Sunday school anymore. And he says, why not? You remember the story, and she's smiling. And uh, he says, why not? She says, well, I don't like the teacher. And, you know, she's a six-year-old, so he says, well, you know, she's different. It's just, just the way she is. It'll be okay. You can go. Well, what is it you don't like about her? And um, Anna says, she teaches us about God. And he sort of, like, looks at her, thinking, yeah, that's what Sunday school teachers do. And she says, 
But she thinks that the more she teaches us about God, the less we won't know about God. And then she says to him, he says, right, he's puzzling with it. She turns to him and said, but, but what I find is the more that I know about God, the more I realise how much I don't know about God. So there's this sense of, I guess you could say, the inverse nature of understanding. That the more that we see of God, actually all it does is it shows us just how much bigger God is and how much more is revealed. I always sort of, to walking into a, a, a massive building, you know, the more that I walk down the building, the more that I see of, of the building, the bigger I realise the building is and the more that I realise that I can't see. So there's a real complexity and I think that's where we've got to start with this sense of, you know, who is God? The answer is we don't know. We don't know who God is. We can only know bits of who God is. We can only know the bits of, of what are revealed and we can only begin to wrestle with that relationship with God by participation. Fido's um, has a great book, I don't know if you can see that, which I recommend, and we'll quote a bit from it this weekend, Participating in God, a Pastoral Doctrine of the Trinity. I'm sure Ian's read bits. But Fido says in this, We cannot observe, even in our mind's eye, being which is relationship. It can only be known through the mode of participation. So... This unknowableness of God, and you can look at the mystics, and I've got a couple of quotes here which I won't sort of read out, um, from, from uh, Gregory of Nyssa and, and Dionysius, the Areopagite. There's loads, and if you want to read them. But this says, actually, you know, if we were to sit down, and I'm not a theologian, but if I were to sit down and try and understand who God is, I would not get very far. So there is only really uh, one way that I can know more about who God is, and that's through participation, through, through relationship. And the way that I experience and the way that we experience God is through community, through each other. And so how our spirituality and how our community is shaped to reveal more of who God is, to reveal more of that complexity in all of the sense, and this is where I think the Ubuntu idea comes in, that as we learn to be community, so we learn more about God. And so, so God reveals more of himself as community to us, And as we then participate in God, so we learn more about what it means to be truly human and to be truly in community. This is the tension. This is the wrestle that I think the Trinity begins to shine on what it means to be community, that we have to participate in order to understand, that we have to actually explore, and that the more that we reveal to each other, the bigger we will see of God, that, that God is, and the more that we will see how deep each one of us is, and the gifts and the struggles and the stories of each one of us. To me, that's the joy of community, and that's the joy of, of being part of uh, a community that actually wants to engage and participate in God. We're going to talk more about participation in God in, in one of the, the further sessions and how kind of important that is and how we might struggle with that. But that's where we're at. I mean, and that was really the introduction, and we'll, we'll dig more into some of, into some of these themes but the complexity of how we wrestle and how we learn to be community by participation, how we learn to be Christians by participation in, in God and vice versa. Thank you for listening to this Moot podcast. For more information on the Moot community and its resources, please visit www.moot.uk.net.